Welcome to Books and Skins podcast. My name is Esosa, and on this podcast, I talk about books and crocheting in no particular order. So this is a place for both book lovers and crocheters alike. And if you cannot particularly fit into that category, that's fine. I just talk about my other hobbies for your listening pleasure. I hope you have a good time, and I hope you enjoy yourself while you're here. Welcome to another episode of Books and Skins Podcast. And as promised, on this episode, I'll be doing a book review of Hooked for Life, Adventures of a Crochet Zillard by Mary Beth Temple. As promised in the previous episode, if you've not checked out the previous episode, Crochet the Fun Fiber Art, you definitely should go check it out. So on this episode, I'll just be sharing key points and prompt you to go read the book for yourself a lot of the things in the book i could relate to as a crocheter you could tell that she was a seasoned person she is a seasoned crocheter and she knows what she's talking about she experiences the pains she knows the joys i really enjoyed this book the humor the drama everything because it's something i see myself writing so um one of the essays and majority of the essays talk about her experience as a crocheter and advice that she would give she talks about the silent war that we have or the silent comparison that we have with knitting and how it's infuriating for every crocheter i totally totally love the book so the part one contains this brief history brief and by no means complete history of crochet and i love that she was able to bring all the information together and it's not um so ambiguous like how you you normally see in blogs or in research papers that are not able to put everything together everything just seemed to be adding up the way she explained it but i particularly like to focus on her personal experiences she talks about how most crocheters did not learn to crochet in the conventional manner by conventional manner i mean there were no classes you learned this skill this art was basically a handover art it was a visual art we are visual learners as crocheters so you need to see somebody doing it and you do it and as a result there was this theory that crocheters do not read just because there were not enough documentation and books and everything of crochet at the time everybody was just trying to perfect their art and you learned by seeing someone doing it so over time that's why most of um the books most of the craft books most of the art books that you see out there are mostly about knitting and other fiber arts there's no much talk about crocheting until later in the 90s and books that are coming out that came out in the early 2000s okay this book was published in 2009 so by that time there were really not a lot of crochet books and she explains why it's it seems to be that way but i'm happy now that there are 
there are conventional ways of crochet there are courses online you can literally learn anytime you want you don't need to see you don't need to be in physical presence of somebody to learn crochet again i love how it's evolving and i personally relate to that because i i learned crochet visually by when i was in secondary school I didn't know any i didn't know anything about stitches or pattern information or gauge i didn't know anything about crochet techniques at that time we used to call it knitting when i learned when i started learning we used to call it knitting but when i finished secondary school and i came out and i really discovered you can imagine the dismay i don't know if it's dismay per se but i can imagine how alarming it was finding out that i was doing i was actually doing crochet as opposed to what i thought i was doing and that there was more to the art i had to learn how to read patterns gauge and i was even using the wrong tools like there were more tools than i had known at that time so she attributes most of the lack of documentation lack of books about crochet to the fact that everybody was just trying to hone their craft nobody was bending down and giving a detailed documentation and writing books for other crocheters but i love that gradually as we go on there are things like that so um in the part two of the book all of the essays are about her personal experience and the techniques and there's a bit of an ad advice and all she talks about freeform crochet and felting freeform crochet is um just crocheting as the spirit leads per se you don't really have a pattern or anything in head in your head you're just crocheting as it comes to your mind and it's more like a liberal and creative crochet and it's for process driven crocheters okay so there are two types of crocheters process driven and results driven so freeform is more like for process driven crocheters who just like to trust the process they enjoy the process and everything but result driven crocheters more like they know what they want they follow a pattern and it has to look like that more but freeform is beautiful and even if i can boldly say i'm a result driven crocheter i still enjoy it i trust the process so most times i know that i have to do this pattern i start out with that pattern and midway the pattern i decide that i don't want to use that particular stitch again i decide to use it, to start using um a mixture of stitches so i i'm a bit of the i'm a bit of um of the two kinds of crocheters i'm both a process driven and a results driven crocheter and she also talks about felting felting is also um, a very good way to not follow the rules because crochet has a particular kind of structure so it allows you to take it to take different shapes whatever as far as it's coordinated it's a structure thing so felting is something that allows you to break that rule it allows you to use any kind of yarn any hook size it because at the end of the day you're still going to felt so what is felting felting is shrinking the crochet piece 
with the use of hot soapy water and agitation so it's mostly done with a washing machine you put hot water put your mouth detergent and then with all the spinning in the washing machine it makes the fibers stronger make them sturdier and thicker and then it produces it makes the work shrink so even if you worked loosely and worked without care by the time you felt your work everything looks neat and composed but if you cannot um, access a washing machine you can also felt with your hands the thing is you'd have to wear protective gloves very heavy protective gloves on your fingers so that the hot water doesn't burn your hands you need to scrub while it's still in hot water and absolutely you need to scrub evenly scrub 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 all parts of the piece that you're working with so that everything will felt properly mm, i like how she talks about how disorganized sometimes her space is because of so much yarn that she bought she just accumulated she's bought a yarn collector and uh, since she works very well with yarn and wool she loves to collect yarn in all their sizes and all their colors and i love it for her that she gets to just go to a yarn shop there are yarn shops or craft shops that she can go to and just get it in this part of the world i've not for as long as i've been crocheting i've not found a particular place that i say this is a yarn shop and they sell yarn they are dedicated to selling yarn and everything it's really mixed you don't really get to see what you want so i like how she describes that she just likes to amass these things it's it's good for her it's like therapy for her and she also talks about how you get to lose things um as i most she says has is her darning needles her tapestry needles for me it's my stitch markers if i'm working and I take out a stitch marker and I want to just mark the stitch because I need to come back to it to make a particular design at that point and as when I remove the stitch marker from that particular stitch it might drop on the floor I'm too busy I'm, I'm yarning over and looping in and I too busy to pick it up maybe at the end of the day it falls under the and I can't even find it anymore so I like the way she's very real about how disorganized your space can be when you're working. And in her quest to acquire a lot of yarn, she talks about how um, she she's in different countries. And in different countries where she goes, she always goes to the yarn shop. So she went to Spain one time and she said that in Spanish, I am going to the yarn shop is voy a la tienda del gelado yes i can speak spanish well not very fluently but i just started learning spanish recently with my boyfriend approximately a month now i was very excited when i saw spanish in the book <laughs> okay so another essay in the book talks about how you can crochet anywhere she talked one of the essays is crocheting it's literally named crocheting in public and i admire her for that because i am not sure i can crochet in public it's in public she means you can you can, she takes her crochet 
she takes her walk on the bus everywhere and i am not sure i can do that when i'm crocheting my mind everything is there it's it's that bad that if someone is around me and making noise i'll literally just drop it because i do not want to be distracted my whole attention is there so i really admire the fact that she can be anywhere no matter how busy it is and still crochet so i'd like to read a quote from the book which is which she quoted from a book too but written in the book if a poor were taking of hobbies crochet would be found among the top five favorites certainly there are very few hobbies you can take with you to luncheons picnic and and MST party relaxing soothing and strictly non-strenuous crochet is a complete rest cure to be taken in easy seasons by Elizabeth L. Matheson, The Complete Book of Crochet, 1946. So as far back as 1946, people were already knowing that crochet was something you could take everywhere. It was an easy hobby. So when I say it was the easiest fiber art, yes, I might be biased, but people found this thing, found this art, and made it their own. Which brings the author of the book to the fact that crochet needs a good pr agency we that's literally the title of one of the essays crochet needs a good pr agency we need to um organize more crochet events we don't need to hide in the face of fiber art and i like that in this part of the world crochet is is evolving and it's coming to the limelight people have made crochet so attractive and i love it but the thing is that people still confuse crochet for knitting and that's one of um the most annoying things that one that's one of the most annoying things to the author obviously because she also is a knitter so she tried to correct them that yes this is not knitting this is crocheting this, there is also this misconception that crochet items are too pretty. You see something, it looks, crochet items are really pretty. Yes, someone used their hands to do all that. And people think it's too pretty to use. So uh, in this chapter, she's basically dragging. In in Nigerian terms, we would say she's, really, she's dragging, that, dragging people that when you give them crochet items as a crochet that they do not use it because they have this excuse of it's too pretty to use i know people who are on this table and they're probably going to listen to this episode i am dragging you please i like the way she talks about crochet designing and following gauge and all of that how even as an advanced and seasoned crocheter sometimes she's she falls off per se when you think that because i've been crocheting for this so so long time i'll be able to do this on this time on that time and she's real to it she she makes everybody understand that is crocheters fiber artists are like anybody who's reading the book that you can never be too sure you can never be too experience that this is what she faces most times with the she talks about the crochet time warp 
where you feel that by this so time i'll be done by this so this and most times you're not done with it not because you were lazy but just because of normal um time it can crochet time work can be a good thing because you can be crocheting and just moving along with your work and actually forget the time forget to eat forget to do basic things and then you just you're just done before the time you are allotted i love it for people who are able to time their hours most times i see people post pieces online and they put um made in 44 hours made in 76 hours i love it for them when i'm crocheting i never actually time myself i can sit down and crochet for two hours three hours non-stop but by the time the finished result is out i don't i've not counted the hours some days i crochet for only 40 minutes because maybe i'm busy and i can't do it or i'm just tired i want to sleep that day so people was very happy that in the book the author admitted that sometimes she has an order to to finish off by 8 30. you can be sure that by 8 29 she's still trying to sew in her ends she's still trying to weave in her ends and i must say that i'm happy that i found someone who i can bond with over that mm, pretty much everything in the book is for is for how crocheters are viewed i like the way that she she makes them see themselves as artists she makes us see ourselves as artists not to diminish our art not to press it down and think that we are not doing enough there's also a very funny concept in this book the concept about the center skin pool where <laughs> there's this technique in crochet that they usually say you should make sure you draw out your yarn from the center just place your hand in the center and draw out um, a tre the thread of the yarn the skin the thread of the yarn from the skin and just like we like we don't <laughs> particularly um get it right every time and i'm sure i speak for most crocheters but when you get it there's this means of satisfaction in fact i know a crocheter that says that she always gets her center skin pull and she feels like she's favored by god and I, I can imagine what she actually means by being favored because most of the times and most of the times is eight out of ten you would be very unlucky to just put a center skin pull and draw it out but we still try every time because we try every day you're trying to do the technique that works for you most times pulling from the center no matter how messy it might be sometimes it's really the best way to go and she advises even if it stresses her out like it stress most of us out um she talks about crochet communities crochet olympics um the real crochet olympics it's um part of the essays in the book and in that essay she she's talking about how we can get more crocheters on board how we can get more people to have a hook and a, a skin of yarn, a ball, whatever they, they choose to use in their hands and how we can allow them to create this magic. How can we get people to, 
to join the craft and enjoy it. So, will making an Olympics be, will doing a question Olympics be a good idea? Who do we talk to? Who are the stakeholders? Where are they? Then a question reality show, of course, she also talks about that. There should be a place where all questioners gather and everybody competes for who finishes a piece the fastest or who, when blindfolded, can guess the texture of a particular yarn. And it's just when I read those essays, I kept thinking about how possible it is to be done and how excited I was. I felt like, yes, this is something we can definitely um, participate in because I'm not, I'm certainly not a sportive person. I'm not a sportive person, but yeah, if you call me for a crochet Olympics, anything about crochet, I would eagerly want to go. So the whole concept is just so that as a crocheter, you would never walk alone or crochet alone. You would always have this community. You would always love the people that are with you because crochet is, is a joint effort it's it's easy for you to want to make a blanket and everyone makes a granny square and and then the joining everybody joins their granny squares it's a sense of belonging so as a crochet she advises join communities and let us make more people aware of the crafts of the arts okay so in the last chapter, she's in the last essay, I beg your pardon, she talks about how she's a proud multi-craftual. By proud multi-craftual, she means she she's a crocheter, she's a knitter, she loves to play with fiber. So she has other hobbies that actually involve fiber, like wool spinning and she thinks doesn't want to have um to stop one just because she loves one so nobody should get into a supremacy battle for if crochet is the best or if knitting is the best or if this is the best because she all enjoys doing all of them and finally there's a quote in this book which is from the author and she uses to introduce the book and she also uses to end the book and this is just a summary of everything that this book is for life is a celebration of what crocheting is to those who love it not an apology to those who do not understand it for they probably never will not a defense of crochet for it needs no defending. The book is a celebration of what is wonderful about the craft, nay, the art, the art of crochet. If you love crochet as I do, or at least have a yarny open mind, please read on. There is more honor than to scorn. And I welcome you on my journey. As she says, there is more to honor than to scorn. So it's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you go read Hooks for Life, Adventures of a Crochet Zealot for yourself because this book is too interesting 
to just hear a book review and just pass by you need to read it and experience it for yourself thank you very much for listening see you on the next episode Thank you.